Hey there, you're listening to the Only Schoolers podcast. I'm Gina Prosh, and hanging out here with me as always is my co-host, Kristen Edwards. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show today. We have made it through February. And as we've said before, that's known in the homeschooling world as the longest month of the school year. So woohoo, we're cruising towards spring. I'm so excited. To celebrate these longer days that are coming and all the sunshine, the warmer temperatures, green of the grass someplace maybe, not necessarily at my house right now. But anyway, to celebrate all of those things, hop online, come visit us. If you've called an official No School Sunshine Day, snap a picture, share it with us. Just look for our Only Schoolers handle on Facebook or Instagram and let us know what you're up to. And be sure to stop by our website, onlyschoolers.com, to find show notes and links to other things that you might find helpful. Or you can visit our Etsy shop again, looking for the Only Schoolers handle. We've got poetry tea time downloads, our Only Schoolers homeschool planner, transcripts of episodes, and da-da-da-da, some homeschooler swag. I believe we have the travel mug and spiral notebook, both featuring our Only Schoolers logo. Woohoo! Spiral notebooks. Gotta have them. As always, thank you for continuing to tune in and sharing this podcast with your friends. You can tag us anytime you want on social media, pass the word in your homeschool groups. We are on all the major podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. And remember, you can always email onlyschoolers at gmail.com. Now, you got to allow me a word nerd moment for just a minute here, Kristen. Okay. Today, one of my very favorite days of the year. Uh, A couple of my former colleagues in the English department where I taught, uh, Dr. Neil Prater and Dr. Jim Skinner, they loved this day and they made a big deal out of it every year. And now I have to carry on in in their memory. March 4th, the only day of the year that when also spoken aloud is a sentence, the imperative, March 4th. And (laughs) I I think it's kind of appropriate (laughs) that the podcast is dropping today because here we are marching forth into some really big words that have really big emotions attached to them. Yeah, they do. Because today on the podcast, we have hit some D words. And when we went through them, we'd settled on disappointment and doubt. And I can guarantee you, if you've been homeschooling longer than, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes, you're going to experience disappointment and doubt. And that is the God's honest truth. I can't think of a single homeschool parent who has not experienced moments, sometimes full-blown seasons or school years of disappointment or doubt or disappointment and doubt all wrapped up together with a big bow on it. So before we dive in, if you're feeling disappointed or doubtful today, please know that you are not alone. Everyone who homeschools has been there. And if you're not feeling that way right now, Please take a moment to relish the goodness of your moment. Enjoy and be thankful for all the good things that are happening because those things really do sustain you when things go sideways. Oh, for real. And things can go sideways really, really fast. Just ask us how we know. But anyway, those good moments can kind of be like your secret stash of dark chocolate for the days when the doubt and disappointment creep in. Because as Gina said, they will. So, Gina, where should we start today? After we picked these two words, I started thinking about disappointment. And again, I think it falls kind of into two big areas. First off, the disappointments that we experience as homeschool parents, and then the disappointments our kids are going to experience as they engage in the world. So how about we follow the airline's technique? 
if the airplane cabin suddenly depressurizes and the air masks drop, what are you supposed to do, my travel-loving compadre? <laughs> if you're traveling with a child or someone who will need extra assistance, first make sure you've attended to your own air mask. I have heard this so many times I could be a flight attendant. But yeah, see to yourself first so that you're able to help the people that you're traveling with or even someone, a stranger right next to you. But when it comes to disappointment, we really do need to deal with our own parental issues so then we can help our children deal with theirs. So over the years, and I'm sure there have been some disappointments, but what sort of disappointments have you experienced as a homeschool parent? Oh, how long you've got? It's only a half hour podcast, right? Yeah, it's only 30 minutes, but I can see where you're going with this. First off, can we agree that homeschooling has been an overwhelmingly positive experience for both our families? Oh, yes, absolutely. Wouldn't trade it for anything. But we would be blowing serious smoke if we said there weren't disappointments along the way. Wyatt loves trains, and let me say, this has not just been the Hearts, Flowers, and Unicorns Express. <laughs> you know, it's disappointing when I had this big, perfect fantasy set up in mind, and then poof, it turns into big tears. Sometimes his, sometimes mine, you know, because there were plenty of days before we embraced unschooling when I would insist on finishing the worksheet, even though... The only thing being accomplished was making everybody miserable. Or how about this one? The disappointment of the craft project, because I think it's so cute and so fun. And there's kindergarten white sitting at the table, bored stiff, saying, I'm ready to be done now, mom. I'm like, done? What do you mean done? We're just getting started. Yeah, but I'm ready to be done. You know, have you been there? Oh, yeah. I'm ready to be done now, mom. Are we finished yet? <laughs> yeah. I mean... Like we would go on a nature hike that I was just sure that we had to go on because nature study was this big thing and it was going to be so much fun, but it wasn't. I mean, seriously though, that one, that one's on me because neither one of us is terribly fond of hiking or bugs or being bitten by bugs or, and I know I've talked about, you know, we don't spend a ton of time doing the family thing in the kitchen, but I thought, oh, we'll spend some time together baking cookies at the holidays because that sounds like a fun memory, Right. Well, except when you factor in that my love of baking far outweighs my daughter's. So what sounded incredibly fun to me was a chore for her and ended up being disappointing for both of us. Oh, and what about the disappointment of a curriculum that isn't right or the science project that didn't work? The disappointment of spending a substantial amount of time making, you know, like this really yummy sounding casserole for supper and my guys are like, I don't know, I don't really like it. And I'm over here. I grated vegetables for you, you know. Uh, there are times being a homeschool parent really is the death of a thousand cuts. Exactly. I think the curriculum one for me is, is probably the most disappointing, if I'm being honest, because I've put in the time. I've searched for hours for something on a subject that my child requested because, you know, ownership of education, got it in there. And she was excited about it, excited about exploring this thing. And I thought I nailed it. And then we get into it and it's like, nope that's not right at all. That's not going to work. And it, you know, it burst the, the balloon of the excitement there. It's just hugely disappointing for both of us. Me, because of the time I spent researching. Her, because what seemed like such an awesome thing to study now became much less so. 
when the curriculum didn't match that expectation. But I think that's where a lot of disappointments begin with unmet expectations. Oh, unmet expectations. Absolutely. And be honest, it can be disappointing and hard when as a parent, your beloved child really doesn't like the things that you loved. Um, You know, we've talked a lot about this at the rink that we both enjoy reading and we can lose ourselves and many, many afternoons in the pages of the book. We had these beautiful parenting fantasies and... Neither one of our kids is that kind of a reader. (laughs) You know, and that's fine. That's fine. But I had basically imagined sort of this never-ending mother-daughter book club, especially when she started reading aloud so very early. And we'd had all these amazing read-alouds through her elementary years. Some of our very best memories are of the books we've shared. I mean, I'll never forget, and it actually just showed up in my my Facebook timeline not too long ago, she made me this drawing when we finished the last Harry Potter book. And she wrote, thank you for reading me such an amazing series. I mean, seriously, my heart just overflowed. I'll have to find it and post it on Facebook so you can see what I mean. But yeah, we've had these great conversations about Harry Potter. Now she's really enjoying Jane Austen. She loved reading uh, Frederick Backman, Anxious People, back over Christmas break. That's generally the exception, though, not the rule. She likes the books and poems and plays that I select for literature class, but she's just not drawn to reading in the same way that I am. You know, I'm the book lover in the family. I'm the biblio bibliolai, just drunk on books and words. So our trips to the library result in me hauling home this huge book bag overflowing with possibilities and her with one or two very carefully selected, usually nonfiction books. Oh, exactly. Wyatt is a nonfiction reader. History, trains, business, outdoorsy nature magazines. He also enjoys reading and collecting the whole Peanuts comic book series. So we talk about the things he's reading for school. Right now, it's The Merchant of Venice and the Iliad coming up for our local co-op. But otherwise, he's never going to be the kid who picks up Charles Dickens or something on his own. So instead, we spend our time talking about the deeper meaning of Snoopy's exploits as a World War I flying ace. (laughs) I don't want Wyatt to be different. You don't want September to be different. We want our kids to be who they are, but neither one of us has some sort of mini-me in that regard. But I think as a parent, you've really got to just be honest with yourself and acknowledge that the disappointment exists rather than pretending that it's not there or pasting over it. So if you're an extrovert and your child isn't, you're going to need to deal with any disappointment that you feel so you don't end up saying, oh, you're just being antisocial or oh, you're such an introvert, with a clear subtext that being an introvert is somehow intrinsically a bad thing. Um, If you love working on old cars and your son doesn't, go off and enjoy doing your own thing and deal with any disappointment you feel that this isn't ever going to be a shared love. But please don't force him to do something under the guise of, if we just rebuild this transmission together, I know he'll learn to love it just as much as I do. Um, no, actually not so much. Not at all. (laughs) Phil will just end up being resentful that his free time was spent stuck at the garage furthering your dreams rather than playing the piano or writing or planting a garden or whatever it is that happens to be his dream. Yes. I mean, that's it exactly. And what I realized about the whole book thing is that 
What I love most is sharing stories and creating connections. Well, I don't need a book-obsessed daughter to do that. So we've developed this family culture of watching TV together, you know, movies, television shows, because all of that is just another form of storytelling. And as we've said before, it totally counts. So rather than resist this loss of a built-in book club, I've looked beyond any disappointment that I might have had, and I've just discovered this incredible opportunity to spend time with my girl in a different way. And now we can have entire conversations just by reciting movie lines if we want to. And honestly, you know, since it is just the two of us, it really is a lot more fun for us to have different interests. So we always have something that we're able to learn from each other. You know, we share song lyrics. She's introduced me to a lot of new artists that I probably never would have listened to, um, you know, unless she told me about them. She shares her makeup techniques. We discuss random deep thoughts. I always say that she teaches me far more than I will ever teach her. And I think that that idea of teaching actually takes us to the next chunk of disappointment that you were talking about, helping your kids deal with the inevitable disappointments of life. Like I said, I could have gotten super frustrated. I could have let my disappointment sour all of our time together, but our relationship is so much more important than that. So I dealt with the issue and I learned a few things about myself along the way. Neither is easy, but both of those things are necessary. And if dealing with your disappointment is hard, helping your child deal with disappointment, it's excruciating. Oh my stars. That is the total truth. And I never realized just how many, how many disappointments there are in the world until I became a parent and started seeing the world through my kids' eyes. He's maybe two and we're blowing soap bubbles and the really big soap bubble pop it's a disappointment. Uh, we're watching trains come and go at Bolivar Street. We're eating ice cream cones. When his scoop gets licked right off the cone and lands on the ground, then there's disappointment. Or the box turtle that we'd stuck in the bucket so we could let it out later and study it somehow managed to escape while we were in the house and disappointment. Oh no, at least you were in the house and the turtle wasn't when it escaped. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, really disappointment. And I know probably like, like me, your first instinct might be to just smooth it all over and then do everything I can to just eliminate that disappointment. But that's not reality. So as much as it hurts me to see September disappointed, and it does, and as much as I would love to shield her from it, that's just not going to be helpful to her in the long run. Coming back from a disappointment is a learning experience. And the only way forward is to you know, just keep moving. So what did you do with those small early childhood disappointments? You know, we talk a lot about kids owning their own education and my philosophy about dis disappointment. I think it's next door neighbors to that idea. Um, if kids need to own their own education, then it's also super important for them to own their own emotions in order to be healthy and productive adults. Um, in my own life, dealing with disappointment and the emotions that I felt as a result of disappointment has built emotional resilience. I've learned emotional resilience, the ability to bounce back after a disappointment. I mean, whether it's a job, a bad breakup, recovering from an injury, it's, it's absolutely essential when it comes to making your way in the world. There are some things you can only learn by doing or by experiencing. And so as much as it stinks, I want Wyatt to have that ability too. The only way to acquire those life skills is, like you said, by living through the disappointments as they come up. I mean, how's that sound? Does that make me a hard-hearted parent or does that resonate with you? Oh, it absolutely resonates. So save me a seat at your hard-hearted parent table. 
I've admitted that, you know, my first instinct is to try to make things better. But when you've been through some of the things that September and I have been through, you learn pretty quickly that a little bit of perspective helps with life's disappointments. Yeah, they still hurt, but you've still got to keep moving. And here's the thing when it comes to disappointment and dealing with the fallout, what we're talking about, it's really emotional weightlifting. So think about real world weightlifting. Weightlifters don't start out lifting hundreds and hundreds of pounds above their head from the very beginning. They start by lifting small amounts of weight and then gradually increasing that amount. So maybe it's five pounds and then 25 pounds or 50 pounds, 150, so on. Now, going back to those moments of early childhood disappointment, there are opportunities to learn on a small scale about how to deal with the disappointment. So learning to deal with a popped soap bubble makes it just a little bit easier to deal with the trauma and disappointment of the scoop of ice cream that got licked onto the ground. And learning to deal with the ice cream scoop disappointment might make it easier to deal with the lost turtle and, you know, so on and so forth. By gradually building those emotional resilience muscles, my kid is learning that when bad things happen, that he's strong and that he can bounce back. Okay, you got to humor me just a little bit on this weightlifting thing that I've got going here okay. because this just occurred to me. <laughs> Weightlifters also don't lift massive amounts of weight all by themselves. They use spotters. And a spotter's job is to support a weightlifter during training. The spotter makes it possible for weightlifters to lift more weight than they'd normally be able to do on their own and do it safely. Okay, I see where you're headed there, because basically that's our job as parents to be the spotters, right? So we offer that support. We help build that emotional resilience. And then one day the kids will be able to handle the disappointments that life will inevitably hand them. So I have a quote. You know me. I love my quotes. We must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. And that's from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I just think that's a really awesome quote because people will disappoint you. Circumstances will disappoint you. Life, as wonderful as it is, as wonderful as it can be, is often disappointing. But those times are finite. They don't last. So you can't lose hope that you'll get through that disappointment. And like I did, you know, if you can work through the disappointment, you will find valuable gifts on the other side. And like I said earlier, disappointments hurt. Absolutely, they hurt. And they often hurt very deeply. Don't even get me started on my high school experiences. But only by working through them can you even hope to grow. I mean, I can look back now from a distance. And I can say that I am definitely a better and stronger person for dealing with those disappointments. And that's the experience I want for September too. So what's that Bible verse? Weeping lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So I'll cry with her when the hurts come, but I'll also stand with her, behind her, beside her, wherever she needs me to be. I'm always telling her on your left, which is sort of our Avengers inspired code for, I'm always here for you, kid. So maybe you get into your top choice school, maybe you don't. Maybe not getting into your top choice school, it doesn't mean you can't go, go to college at all. Maybe you're asked to prom by the person you'd hope would ask, and maybe you aren't. It doesn't mean you can't dress up and enjoy the evening with a group of friends. So without a doubt, what I want is for my kid to be able to cope with those disappointments and to understand on a deep level that experiencing a disappointment, it doesn't mean you're doomed for life. Nope. Like the Rolling Stones said, you can't always get what you want, 
but you get what you need. And I heard what you did there, dropping that word doubt for our second half of the show. Indeed, foreshadowing. Do, 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 do. Literature teachers <laughs> but, can't be stopped. Yeah, prob- yeah. <laughs> probably time to move from disappointment to doubt for the second half of the podcast. And isn't that a loaded issue? Oh, no, no doubt about it. <laughs> there's, there's the doubt we have of other people, the doubt we directed ourselves, the doubts that we have as parents, the doubts our children may have as they grow. So what do you think of when I say doubt? And how often do you feel doubt, particularly as it relates to homeschooling? For me, it's mostly that uncertainty, that questioning whether we're actually doing the right thing, which I undoubtedly know we are. So you see the problem. I mean, I've never doubted things like, can I teach her to read? Because, you know, honestly, wonderful child that she is, she took care of that for me. And I knew that elementary math was something I could definitely handle. I think, though, that I've had the most doubts about high school. I mean, I talk a good game of confidence. Sure, we're homeschooling high school. Why wouldn't we? I've got this. But honestly, sometimes I do wonder, do I? It's definitely a different ball game. It's not harder. It's not easier. It, it's just like a different set of guidelines. You know, and maybe that's part of it. I mean, you get to the point where you're just kind of cruising through elementary and middle school. You're logging hours right and left. You're doing the things that you know how to do. It's autopilot. And then all of a sudden, high school. And the rules in Missouri, they change at age 16. So it's a new set of parameters that we're in now. It's new rules to follow. And yeah, I think that doubt just sort of starts creeping in because you know, this, this goes on your permanent record. There's definitely, I mean, you heard that, right? I mean, the permanent record, it's it's the boogeyman in the closet for all of us, right? There's definitely too much self-questioning for me. It's natural when the status quo shifts, but that doesn't make it easier, especially when you've tasked yourself like we have with our only child's only education. So what about you? What comes to mind when you hear the word doubt? Do you, do you have doubts? Please tell me you do. I Oh, I am a Missourian through and through, and Missouri is indeed the Shomei State, and as far as I'm concerned, that is an absolutely accurate state nickname. <laughs> there is a doubtful, skeptical nature to the people who were born and raised here in Missouri. I don't know why, but it, it really is there. So maybe it's because I've always been something of a skeptic. I don't automatically see doubt as a bad thing. I mean, I'm the kid who sat in Sunday school class defending Doubting Thomas and thinking he was showing a whole lot of good sense by asking for some proof about that whole Easter narrative thing, you know? (laughs) You're a Sunday school teacher. What would you have said to my eight-year-old self? Well, fortunately, my kids haven't asked me that question. But we have had some other questions about, you know, truth and doubt and everything. And my response generally runs along the lines of, well, there's just a lot of things that we aren't going to understand right now, but we have to have trust and faith. And maybe that's the answer I need for my homeschool doubts too. Just have faith and trust the process. I mean, do you have any doubts about what you're doing as a homeschool parent? Oh, I have doubts all the time. It's like, am I doing enough? Well, I doubt it. Am I doing too much? Oh, I doubt that too. Am I getting it just right? Uh, You know, I double dog doubt that. (laughs) So I can't win. And I'm pretty comfortable. Well, that's not right the right word because my doubts aren't comfortable. Maybe I'm just accustomed to doubt. That's that's a better word. I'm accustomed to my doubts by now. So much so I've come to think that they're actually a pretty integral part of any parent's job description. I think they're particularly integral to a homeschool parent's job description. 
I think that's actually been one of my biggest surprises I've had along the way, seeing how many of my homeschool friends, longtime homeschooling families who've graduated kids and seen them successfully into productive adult lives, all of them have had doubts along the way through their, their homeschool experience, and they just had faith that it would all turn out all right. And I think what I've learned from those parents is that having doubts doesn't mean that I shouldn't be homeschooling. The doubts don't mean that I'm doing a bad job as a homeschool parent. Maybe having doubts just means that I am a homeschool parent. What, you've got a, a quote for every occasion. What's the, the Bertrand Russell line? Uh, Fools and fanatics are always so certain of the, themselves, but the wiser people are full of doubts. Yeah. Yeah. If that's the case, then I'm definitely one of the wiser people because I'm often chock full of doubts. Yeah, same. I mean, I like to say that I own my doubts. Yep, I've got them. They're pretty much the same ones all the time. So kind of like you said, I'm used to them. I'm accustomed to them. I just try to be realistic and make sure that I'm not making a mountain out of a doubtful molehill. Chances are, if I just take a breath, assess the situation, maybe get a cup of tea. I can restore my faith in my homeschooling efforts. And I think we even said it um, in our letter C podcast. If there's a problem, there's an answer. So don't, don't doubt that you can find the answer. So if any of you homeschooling parents out there in podcast land who feel like you're a teeming ball of doubts, take a deep breath, relax. You're in good company. Doubts are just another part of life. It's an absolutely normal part of life. And if it's normal for adults to experience doubts, then what about our kids? Obviously, they're going to have doubts. So how have you dealt with or how do you talk about doubt with September? I'm not sure that it's anything that we've ever sat down and talked about specifically. It's more saying I have my doubts about this or that situation and realizing that talking through it just helps alleviate those doubts. And I encourage her to do the same thing because that's to me another valuable step when you doubt. Ask for help. Be realistic about your expectations. So what about at your house? Wyatt, he's something of an old soul. So even as a little kid, he could be pretty skeptical. We had a friend who was an amateur magician and he'd do tricks, you know, pull quarters out of Wyatt's ears and stuff like that. And he was always one of those, show me how you did that trick, rather than actually believing that quarters were coming out of his ears. <laughs> so he's a hard sell. But in this day and age, when, ki when people prey upon the innocence and the trusting nature of kids, I kind of encourage that skepticism and, and doubt. You know, show me, prove it. Where's your evidence? That's okay for, for him to, to go there. Oh, yeah. There's definitely something to be said about being skeptical and just looking at all the, the options out there and not just believing the first one that comes around. Oh, and it, like then as far as self-doubt, that's one of those tricky things, particularly with teenagers. Okay, so currently I'm raising my first, last, and only teenager, but... I've had lots of experience teaching kids in that age range from the 13, 14 year olds in our homeschool co-op to the older teens that I taught when I was at the college teaching writing to them. You know, most of those kids were freshmen in college. And so they were college students. They were also 18 years old and they might've had a lot of bravado, but that bravado, it oftentimes hid a lot of doubt. You know, and that's interesting because we don't often talk a lot about the fact that college kids are still very often teenagers. They're 18, they're 19 years old. They're going away to school. They're going to the military. They're getting jobs, but they absolutely still are teenagers. So tying this back to the first part of the show, I think one of the reasons they struggled with doubts when they were in my, in my freshman writing classes was that 
Many of them came from a very privileged background, private schools, private academies, things like that. And as a result of that background, they knew they were exceptional. They were, they were always the A student. And then they came to college and they got their very first C, their very first D, maybe even their very first failing grade ever. And experiencing those disappointments for the first time ever in an unfamiliar setting without the support of their family or close friends, that was really, really hard. And they had never been in situations where they had to exhibit that kind of emotional resilience. And so they struggled. They doubted whether or not they deserved to be in college, and they doubted whether they could really make it, and they doubted themselves a lot. And Unfortunately, a lot of them often doubted their parents' unconditional love. I can't tell you how often I heard, my mom or my dad is going to kill me for getting a C. I've never gotten a C in my life. Or worse yet, people in my family don't get below average grades. What is that about? You know, yeah. <laughs> but through life, their parents have been so busy bragging to their friends and family about how smart their kids were. And those kids, in some very real ways, thought that they were loved because of their grades, like somehow they needed to earn their parents' love. And then when they didn't make the grades, they doubted. And having met some of those parents on Parents Weekend, I can say I understood why they felt that doubt. Oh, gosh, that just breaks my heart. I mean, even though they're teenagers, they're in college, that just breaks my heart that they still struggle with that kind of doubt. I always tell September that my love for her is not based on her performance or anything else that she can measure. I just love her. Whatever comes with that package, I'm going to love it too. I mean, I just can't imagine it any other way. Whether they love to read novels or peanut comics, whether they love to cook alongside you or just enjoy the meal that you present. Right. There isn't any doubt that we are going to support them in everything. The questioning, the skepticism, the disappointments, whatever. It's all a learning process. As Johann Wolfgang van Goethe said, doubt can only be removed by action. So maybe that's external action. Maybe that's a quieter internal action. Either way, you're learning something about yourself and your ability to keep going through any doubt or disappointment. So here's a question for our listeners. Did anything we said today get you started thinking? What disappointments or doubts have you experienced on your homeschooling journey? If you want to share, please, please join us on Facebook, Instagram, at our handle, OnlySchoolers. Email us. You can find us at OnlySchoolers at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on our website, OnlySchoolers.com. And... As always, thanks so much for listening today. Please do not doubt that we're glad you turned in, and we hope you aren't disappointed with today's episode of the Only Schoolers podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with the letter E. So until then, Excelsior! <laughs>